May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and gracious Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. The Law of the Rings uh, is a story written by J.R.R. Tolkien many decades ago, but was more recently uh, made into a movie trilogy by Peter Jackson in the early 2000s. The story um, centers around Frodo Baggins, who unexpectedly came to own a powerful, sinister ring and takes a long and dangerous journey to destroy it with the help of companions, including his friend and longtime gardener, uh, Samwise Gamgee. The journey was a long and difficult one for Frodo, filled with setbacks, grief, and danger. And a lot of near-death experiences. To destroy the ring, Frodo must overcome seemingly impossible odds, powerful enemies, betrayals, and disappointments. But Frodo has a remarkable sense of destiny, that he was chosen to go on to accomplish this dangerous quest for the sake of everything good in his world. And somehow, along this dangerous journey, a higher good seemed to preserve Frodo against all odds to finally accomplish his great quest. Frodo went on to complete his mission despite encountering many reasons to give up and turn back. We've come to the end of the book of Acts. It presents the very real historic story of how the gospel message started with a small group of disciples in Jerusalem that grew against all odds, powerful enemies, the unrelenting opposition of Jewish authorities, divisions within the early church, persecutions, lengthy trials, stonings, beatings, dangerous weather and a shipwreck, to finally reach the heart of the Roman Empire. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the risen Lord Jesus gave this promise and mandate to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, against all spiritual and human opposition, the book of Acts shows us how the Holy Spirit empowered the early church and apostles like Paul to bring the message of the gospel, the good news of the crucified and risen Messiah Jesus across the length and breadth of the Roman Empire with house churches planted throughout key cities of the Mediterranean world. Ports and colonies connected by Roman roads and transportation networks became the social internet of the day to enable missionaries like Paul to carry out the mission that the Lord Jesus gave the church. But as we will see, the end of the book of Acts makes clear that the gospel message and the mission of the gospel is still an ongoing call for us as a church today. The big idea for us today then is we have to complete the gospel mission for our generation against all odds, against increasingly uncertain times, in spite of all costs, we have to complete the mission 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, as did the early church for their generation. The Apostle Paul is uh, one key example of one whom God used to further the gospel message across social, physical, cultural boundaries. As the Lord Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Holy Spirit was driving the disciples to be witnesses in ever-expanding ways. As the book of Acts comes to an end, Paul's last recorded journey is captured for us as exemplifying a life that is wholly dedicated to completing the mission to bring the gospel to the ends of the known world and finally right into the heart of the Roman Empire. The three core aspects of uh, Paul's spirit-empowered life to complete the mission that the Lord Jesus entrusted to him. First, facing uncontrollable circumstances. Second, resting on God's unchanging calling. And third, living with undiminished courage. First, facing uncontrollable circumstances. Situations can get out of control, but never out of God's hands. In 1736, John Wesley was traveling aboard a ship with his brother Charles heading to America when they encountered a terrible storm which threatened to sink the ship. It seems that the English passengers, including John himself, were afraid they were about to lose their lives. One of the passengers even brought a baby to John uh, for him to baptize in case they went down under. There was another group of Christians, uh, German Christians, called the Moravians, on the ship, conducting a church service at that time as well. They were singing a psalm when a huge wave broke over the ship and poured down into the decks below. The English screamed in terror. But John Wesley observed that the German Christians were calmly singing, going, they were continuing to sing the psalm in a calm way without showing any fear. Afterwards, John Wesley approached them and found out they were at peace. And even the women and their children were unafraid at the face of death. John found himself deeply impressed with their absolute trust in God. They were prepared to surrender their lives completely to God without the fear of death was something John realized that he lacked at that point in his life. The Moravians displayed a faith that trusted God in uncontrollable circumstances. The Apostle Paul encountered much uncertainty and uncontrollable circumstances as he carried out his mission. We have seen how he has been forcibly dragged out and stoned caught in rioting crowds against Christians, hauled before councils and authorities to answer malicious charges, and now in his journey to Rome, about to encounter a life-threatening storm. Because of his appeal to Caesar, Paul was sent as a prisoner to Rome to answer the charges against him. He was handed over to a centurion named Julius, with some, other, uh, with some other prisoners. As they embarked on the journey with several transit points, they encountered unfavorable winds and, uh, that delayed their progress. And by the time they came to the island called Crete, it was already late in the sailing season in autumn, 
that made travelling dangerous. Paul counselled the centurion and the men of the ship in Acts chapter 27, verse 10. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. Maybe this was a little bit more common sense, but maybe perhaps makes with a, a bit of prophetic insight into what might happen. Here we see Paul taking precautions and offering advice to avoid unnecessary risk. Paul was not one who blindly stepped into danger if it could be avoided. Having faith doesn't mean reckless living. However, in this instance, Paul was not in control of the situation. He could offer his advice, but he was rejected by the centurion, who instead listened to the, listened to the ship's uh, pilot and owner to continue on the journey. They probably had a um, shipping dateline and decided to take a calculated risk to press on to the journey. Bring a, being a prisoner, Paul had no final say in the matter. The decision was out of his hands. Once on the journey, they encountered a fierce storm, just as Paul had predicted. Again, once the storm rose, it was something beyond human control. Not even the most experienced ship pilot or captain or crew could control the fierceness of the storm. But not told in Acts chapter 27 what Paul and his companions did during the storm. But from what we know of Paul, it's a safe assumption that they spent their time praying and singing hymns, just like what Paul and Silas did in the Philippine jail in Acts chapter 16. Why do Christians instinctively come to prayer and worship in times of crisis and despair? Because times of prayer and worship reminds us that though the situation is out of control, it's not, of, it's not out of God's hands. It reminds us who God is, that He is the God above the storm. And He is the God who will enter into our situation, either to still the storm or to bring us through the storm. As you all know, we had a, a pre-GE15 service of prayer and worship here, and a good number of us were present in person as we lifted out our voices to the Lord in worship and prayer. It is at those times when you feel all the fears, anxieties, and unease over the elections and outcome just dissipate as we declare the praises of the Lord, as we remember who God is and what God can do. Our focus shifted from worrying about outcomes to finding trust and confidence in God alone. Our faith, our faith builds when we shift our focus away from people, things and circumstances to focus solely on God and His purposes in our lives and in our nation. And that is something we can always do in times of uncontrollable circumstances and testing as we live out God's purposes in our lives. And so for our first reflection question, what is your first instinct when you're faced with a difficult or uncontrollable situation? Reflect on how you have reacted in the past and what God might be teaching you today. And for the kids, how does praying and worshipping God help you when you are in difficulty?
Second, resting in God's unchanging calling. God favors whom he calls. The storm that Paul and his companions encountered was a monstrous storm that lasted several days. In Acts chapter 27, verse 20, we read, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave all hope of uh, being saved. Luke, the author, is probably referring to himself and other passengers and crew when he said that they had lost all hope. But crucially, did Paul himself lose hope? Before we look further, we should note that some storms last for an extended period of time. Prayers do not always result in instant relief, although we should pray for God's timely intervention. But sometimes, storms last for a while longer. In Paul's case, the storm raged violently for days. Even the crew gave up all hope of surviving. It is at this point that Paul stood up in the presence of the travelers and said in Acts chapter 27, verse 21, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you, have been, then you would have been spared. Your, your, you have, you have, would have spared yourself from this damage and loss. This is somewhat uh, Paul's version of saying, um, I, I don't want to say, I told you so, but I told you so, right? But now I urge you, keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Paul was a man with the calling of God on his life. And because God is behind Paul's calling, because God backs up Paul's calling, no violent raging storm is going to keep Paul from bringing the gospel message to Rome and fulfilling the destiny the Lord Jesus gave him. After Paul first encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, the Lord gave this work to Ananias concerning Paul's calling in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And Paul's life turned exactly out this way. Paul has brought the gospel to the non-Jewish world. And over the past few weeks, we have seen how Paul has stood trial and testified uh, before Roman officials and King Agrippa, a client king of the Romans of some of the areas in and around Galilee at that time. And Paul has consistently preached the gospel to his fellow Jews, the people of Israel. And now Paul is embarking on a journey, on the journey to testify before the emperor Caesar, the most powerful king among the Gentile nations and the land of Israel. It is based on this calling that God sent his word of assurance to Paul in the midst of that terrible storm that he was going to survive the storm to testify before Caesar. 
and that God has also graciously spared the lives of all the passengers along with Paul. Paul was able to find peace in the storm because he could rest in God's unchanging calling for his life. God's gracious favour and protective care that has rescued Paul from numerous sufferings and dangers in the past will now see him through the present storm. Precisely because Paul has experienced so much of God's faithful deliverance in the past, was he able to say with confidence in verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will, it will happen just as he told me. And later in verse 34, Paul again reaffirms God's promise to the men, not one of you, not one, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. God favours whom he calls to ensure the fulfilment of God's purposes. Now, God's favour does not mean the absence of sufferings and hardships. In fact, it was quite the opposite for Paul and indeed for all who seek to live faithfully for God. But God's favour rests on whom he calls to ensure that all obstacles will be overcome until his servant is called home to glory. Paul goes on to write in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about his teaching and way of life, as well as all the persecutions and sufferings encountered. But he testifies this way, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Bakayu Saka is a young English footballer who plays for Arsenal and was part of the English, uh, England's uh, World Cup squad. During the World Cup, he was asked about his faith at a press conference, about whether he still uh, read his Bible every day during the tournament. Saka gave a, quite a compelling testimony about the importance of faith to him. He shares how his faith gave him confidence, knowing that God is with him when he plays. To him, God's plan is perfect, and so he doesn't need to be nervous or worried about outcomes when he plays. And yes, he kept reading his, he kept reading, reading his Bible every night during the World Cup tournament as well. Being a professional footballer or playing for your country brings its own pressures or challenges. And in England, for example, it could bring a lot of abusive remarks when you're not doing well and even racist uh, insults. And so may the Lord continue to grant grace to this young man uh, to be steadfast in his faith and testimony. But his press conference reminded me of how our faith in God, our conviction in God's calling for our lives, can help us overcome our fear of outcomes. We are all faced with uncertain times and challenging situations of various kinds in health, family, finances, in ministry. It is natural to feel fearful and anxious at times. It's understandable that we feel discouraged and frustrated at the struggles we are grappling with. But by God's grace, our faith must help us overcome our fear of outcomes. If we are paralyzed by our fears of outcomes, we will not progress in our calling to live for Christ 
we will always be held back by circumstances we cannot control. We will feel ourselves trapped by limitations and circumstances, and therefore, we feel we cannot fully commit to the Lord's calling on our lives. But in reality, we must trust God over our circumstances. There will never be perfect circumstances or ideal conditions in which we feel we are able to serve the Lord. But it is time for us to commit fully to the Lord's calling for ourselves, for our generation. We must trust that God is able to preserve us and those around us for His purposes. We must find the conviction of our calling so that it is not so much whether the outcomes are good or bad, it will be whether God's purposes are accomplished in our lives and in the lives around us. The, from a human perspective, the outcome of Paul's life is quite tragic. He, he came from a very um, high standing in his society, respectable uh, position in his religion. But after embracing his calling, from a human perspective, um, he became a pariah, pariah in the face of his Jewish community, hounded, persecuted, beaten, struck down, and in the end, in the end killed by the Roman authorities. So from a human perspective, that's not a good outcome. But his work and the work of others around him works so powerfully still through the Holy Spirit to this very day. You have an unchanging calling to follow Christ, to know Christ, and to make him known. That's unchanging. The specific context of this calling could be in full-time or part-time ministry, or it could be in a workplace or in a business world, in a teaching career or as a homemaker. And in all of the pressures and challenges of your specific context, you are to know Christ and His faithfulness and to be His faithful witness to where He sends you or pleases you. And you can rest in God's calling for your life because He will see you through to accomplish His purposes in and through your life. For a second reflection question, have you obeyed God's calling for your life? And for the kids, are you obeying whatever God has taught you?
Third, um, living with undiminished courage. Finishing well requires courage. As the Lord promised him, Paul survived the storm with his companions and the rest of the crew and passengers and was shipwrecked um, at the island of Malta. This, one, this island is south of Sicily. He still had an event-filled journey ahead of him before he arrived at Rome, including being bit, bitten by a, a snake, which those around him thought he was going to die. But again, God preserved him from harm. After three months, Paul finally arrives at Rome, where he was placed under house arrest, awaiting his trial. And so now, Paul faces, and he's through the storm now, but he faces an uncertain future. Circumstances, again, were out of his control. The circumstances of his trial, when he's going to be, how Caesar will treat the charges against him, uh, were largely out of his control. As the book of Acts ends, however, we see Paul actively and rigorously proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was not brooding over an uncertain fate. He did not withdraw into his own anxieties or fears. Paul showed undiminished courage to finish and complete the mission that God has entrusted to him. In another context, in another letter, Paul writes uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, this is a well-known one, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. What gave Paul courage to continue and finish his gospel mission? Now, since the book of Acts strongly emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit in empowering the church in its mission, we can rightly assume that the Holy Spirit gave Paul the courage and perseverance to continue to preach and teach the gospel to all who came to him during his house arrest in Rome. But more specifically, the Holy Spirit must have strengthened Paul through the conviction of his calling. This is what we see from the second point previous. That God himself will see him through all the obstacles and challenges until he has served God's purpose for his generations and for generations to come. We have seen, for example, in the previous point that Paul was strengthened and affirmed by God himself that he will get through the storm to testify before Caesar. And so the conviction of his calling gave Paul the courage to persevere through obstacles and challenges. If not, he would have given up a long time ago. Likewise, when the Holy Spirit brings the conviction of our calling in our lives, our challenges and uncertainties do not seem to be so big after all. Why? The Lord's gracious hand is able to direct our paths and deliver us from circumstances and hindrances so that we can fulfill God's purpose in our lives before we return home to the Lord. Second, we, told, we are told that Paul, when, when Paul landed in Italy, finally, a group of believers, Christians, came out to meet him. And in Acts chapter 28 to 15, we are told that at the sight of these believers, these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Paul's courage was greatly refreshed at the sight of the community of believers 
who came out in person to meet him. Their presence must have further affirmed to Paul that God is indeed working around him, that God had not forgotten to send believers who will support and encourage him in this time of uncertainty and trial. In the same way, when you serve the Lord faithfully, you will find encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ who will come by your side and pray for you and encourage you. In the same way, your presence matters greatly to other believers. Your commitment to pray for them and encourage them helps them build their faith and courage to live faithfully for Christ. And I, I'm sure uh, Pastor Dan and a lot of you who are serving long time in ministry, how encouraging it is uh, when unexpectedly, um, you know, your brothers and sisters come out to you and, and say, you know, we've, we have prayed for you or we are praying for you, you know, in unexpected ways. As a church, we must grow and move past the pandemic. We need to resume in-person small group meetings and worship services. We need to come back, as many of you have done. As the world resumes a semblance of normalcy, the church must lead the way, the way in our worship ministries and outreach and not linger behind. So if you are healthy and able, your presence matters greatly. Your presence in church and in small groups are part of how God uses us to build mutual faith and courage to live faithfully as God's people. Thirdly, for Paul, the ability to find joy in the Lord must have given him courage to faithfully complete the mission God gave him. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This letter of Philippians was quite likely written by Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome, as Acts 28 describes it. In his house arrest awaiting trial, Paul writes to the Philippians who were also going through opposition and persecution. And throughout his letter, Paul repeats his exaltation to the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord and to rejoice with him in how God is working in and around them to advance the gospel. Now, it may seem counterintuitive to rejoice in the midst of trials and tribulations, in, in the midst of persecutions and uncertain times, but that seems to be the expectation and experience of Paul and the early church. Real joy comes from a living encounter with God. It comes, for example, when in your fears and anxieties, God's word speaks so lovingly and powerfully to you just at the right time when you needed to hear from God. It comes as you worship and suddenly your, your spirit leaps at the realization that God is indeed bigger and greater than all the troubles you are going through. Just like the hymn we sang earlier, 
Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. When your spirit man encounters God this way, the result is joy. Your soul rejoices in the face of difficulties and challenges. And so in Acts chapter 28, verse 30 to 31, we come to the end of the book of Acts where we read, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that is the last, the last verse in the book of Acts. The book of Acts doesn't tell us what happened to Paul in the end. We know through church tradition, Paul was eventually executed in Rome, uh, but we can't be sure that if this happened during the trial that Paul was waiting for at the end of Acts chapter 28. Uh, one early church historian who wrote in the 4th century says that Paul was released uh, and went on to the west on mission, uh, probably in Spain because Paul mentions that in the book of Romans. And what, but he was arrested a second time and then executed under Nero. But the, open, the open-ended ending of the book of Acts reminds us, or re- reminds me at least, uh, of the ending of The Lord of the Rings. Frodo uh, sets to write down the story of his adventures after arriving home safely with his companions. In time, Frodo would leave his home for the last time to journey to, with the elves to a distant land. When Sam, his uh, longtime faithful companion, visits him and notices that Frodo was completing his book, recording their adventures, uh, Frodo explains that the book is not quite finished yet. There is still room for a little more before it ends. When Frodo finally reveals to Sam and his friends that he is leaving them for, for good, uh, Frodo hands the book over to Sam to write and finish the story. In a sense, Sam was to live on in a new age and write the ending. Perhaps the book of Acts ends in the same way for us. The book has ended, but the story of the gospel continues to our own day. The same Holy Spirit that empowered the early church and brought the gospel message throughout the known world from Jerusalem to Rome is the same Spirit that empowers us today to complete the gospel message and the mission of the gospel for our own generation. We would have to write our own spirit-inspired story to continue the story started by Acts for our own generation. It is our task to ensure that it will be a story of facing uncontrollable circumstances through the conviction of God's calling for us. A story of undiminished courage in witnessing for Christ and living for the gospel. In this Advent season, preparing and having received the gift of God's Son, will you now also receive the gift of your calling?
in Christ. I want to end this time with a prayer for all of us, and I want to invite you to come before the Lord. You may be going through a raging storm for an extended period of time now. You may be unfacing, you may be facing uncontrollable circumstances. But I'd like to invite you to remember the God you worship, who He is, and what He can do. I'd like to invite you to remember God's unchanging calling for your life, to know Christ in every circumstance, to know His faithfulness, to experience Christ delivering you through the storm and for His purposes. If you are going through a storm, I invite you to bring it before the Lord now. If you're fearful of embracing your calling in Christ, I invite you to come before the throne of grace. Father, as we wrestle through the storms of life. Help us to know you as the God who is above the storm. Lord, by a word, you can still the storm or by your grace, you can bring us through the storm. And so I pray for those of you, for us here who are wrestling in the midst of a storm. Father, I pray for your faithful assurance that just as you gave Paul the word of assurance that you, are, you were with him through the storm and that you will bring him safely through, I pray that we would receive that word from you. The God whom we serve, the God whom we belong to, will be able to give us that word of assurance that we will survive the storm. Heavenly Father, we pray that we remember that we are called by you not to live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. Help us in our calling to know that our focus is on you and not in circumstances. Help remove fear of outcomes. Help our faith to dominate and master our fears so that we will not be held back in serving you and living for Christ. Father, I pray for those who are opening up their hearts to you and crying before you right now, that they will receive that word of assurance, that they will know the joy of the Lord in the midst of the storm. They will experience your deliverance, your assurance, even as they are faithfully living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, Lord, I pray 
for those who are coming before you to commit themselves to embrace the calling that Christ has placed upon their lives. Father, remove our fears. Remove all the thinking that holds us back. Remove our bondage to circumstances, to our own fears and agendas and ambition. But Lord, we pray that you grant us courage now to embrace the calling that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We are weak, but you are strong, Lord. We have failed, but you are faithful. We are sinful, but you are righteous to save us and forgive us and uphold us and redeem us. And so, Lord, we bring ourselves to you. We have nothing to bring to you except trusting in you and in your grace. And so we surrender ourselves to you once again. We reaffirm our faith and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ as your people once again, and we affirm and renew our vows to be present in church, to serve you faithfully by our presence and our gifts, by everything that you pour into our lives, we pray that we will give it back to you in sacrificial living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, fill your people, Lord, with your joy. Grant us, Lord, your people, that word of assurance that your gracious hand will see us through, no matter what lies ahead. And so, Lord, we proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your people. We bless your holy name, for you are the one who will save us and redeem us and grant us purpose in our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.